Galatians 6, and we're in the second half of this chapter, so uh, just towards the end, uh, starting at verse 11. This is Paul writing to the church, and he says this, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing uh, in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they might not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire you to, have, to, to be circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision count for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the mark of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this word. Just pray you'd uh, encourage us uh, with it. Before we uh, get into this word, just want to start with a little quiz. Nothing too tough. We just want to ask you a little bit about what sort of person are you. Just uh, think about if you were going on holiday, are you, uh, are you a, a beach person or are you a, are you a sort of action-adventure person? Hands up if uh, you're a lays-on-the-beach person. Yeah? What, what about a kind of an action-adventure person? Yeah, okay. I, I think maybe the action-adventure's just got it there. Maybe not everybody put their hands up. Uh, let's try another. What about, what about food? Indian or Chinese takeaway? Uh, hands up for Indian. Oh, wow. Hands up for Chinese. Oh, actually, no, I think more people could answer that one. That's interesting. Um, what about music? Rock and roll or jazz? Hands up for rock and roll. Oh, hands up for jazz. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good 50-50 split, isn't it? It kind of shows we're very uh, varied kind of people. Um, now, why did I do that? Um, well, in a sense, that's what Paul is doing here at the end of Galatians. We've got through a whole raft of stuff, uh, five and a half chapters, and he's really coming up to, to, to sum up his kind of message uh, in very briefly. And he's really saying this. He's saying, these are some contrasts that you can have in your life. And frankly, which one do you want? He's probably not asking them about jazz and rock and roll. I'm not quite sure how that would have gone down in first century Turkey. But he is talking about a number of contrasts and saying, which one do you want? What is your gospel? Is your gospel this or is your gospel that? And the first uh, contrast comes right in the beginning where Paul talks about, he uses his phrase, look with what big letters I write. And so the first contrast is really this. Are you a big letter person or a small print person? Is your gospel a big letter or a small print gospel? Now, when I grew up, and people of my generation will probably identify this with this, when we learnt to read, we had Janet and John books. Does anyone remember the Janet and John books? 
Yeah, you open them up and there'll be a picture. I don't know what you, I don't know, guys, what you, what you learn to read now, if Janet and John are still around or if, uh, if they've grown up. But, but you'd open up this Janet and John book and it would have a picture and it would have some very simple text on it. You know, Janet plays on the beach. John plays on the beach. Janet and John play on the beach. And that was the way we learnt to, to read, or my generation uh, learnt to read. And I remember coming to a, and it making an interesting observation when I was probably only four or five, I think, maybe even a little bit earlier. I thought, the size of the words gets bigger the fewer there are. So if you only have Janet goes to the beach... It's in quite big letters on that page. And if we, we actually string a couple of sentences together, uh, the letters get a little bit smaller. It's almost as though uh, Arial Font 12 hadn't been invented in the 60s. Um, but there's this kind of big print message. Now, what by contrast is small print? This is what I got when I bought my last laptop. Um, which is probably about three years old now. I haven't bought one recently, but I've still got this because it acts as my warranty and my stuff. And there's some kind of small print here. And, and I think, to be honest, it took me longer, it would have taken me longer to, to, to read this than it would to drive to the shop and actually buy the laptop in the first place. Um, and it's an important document. I mean, I've kept it because it's important. It talks about, you know, my rights as a buyer, the shop's responsibility as someone who sold me the laptop. But it's small print. It's kind of tough going. It's actually not the thing I've actually ever read. I kind of got it and it went in my drawer. If the laptop breaks down, I'll pull it out and I'll maybe read the small print then. Um, do you know, um, how old do you have to be to get Facebook? It's like 12 or 13 now, isn't it? You can have a Facebook account. Um, there, there was an article recently that a journalist um, looked at the small print behind having a Facebook account. And he gathered a load of 12 and 13-year-olds together and said, look, guys, you've just signed up for a Facebook account. Do you realise this is all the small print behind it? All the rights that Google or someone has to your data, what they could do with your data, how they can keep it and use it. And, he kind of, and it was you know, real tough language that we as adults would struggle with. And he took these 12 and 13-year-olds through it and said, look, this is what you're signing up to. And it was actually quite an eye-opener to them. They thought, we didn't know that. That's, that's kind of small print. Now, now, where are we going with this? Paul's not buying laptops. Paul's not uh, talking about Facebook accounts. But Paul is talking about the gospel that we hold on to. And we can make this gospel a small print gospel very easily. That was the problem that, that Paul was talking to the Galatians about because people had come into the church with basically all this small print. Because Paul had preached the gospel and said, trust in the Lord your God. It's a gospel of grace. That's the title for this whole series, trust in him. And these people have come in and said, well, no, you need, to be, you need to be circumcised. You need to follow this rule. You need to follow this Jewish dietary requirement. You need to observe this feast. You need to do this on that particular day. And Paul was kind of saying, no. And, and he's kind of writing in big letters. And I, kind of, I can metaphorically see him literally writing in big letters. I don't quite know what pens they had back then in the first century. But I can see him kind of scrawling on this paper. And he's almost kind of scratching his way through it. And he goes, no, see with what big letters I write. This is a simple gospel. This is a simple gospel. It's almost like uh, emailing in uppercase. 
you know, so it looks as if shouting, you know, Paul, if Paul had emailed Galatians, it's almost the sort of thing he'd have done in capitals. No, no, the gospel is simple. And we have to hold on to that. And, and you know, I, I like the details. You know me, most of you know me now. I love the, the details of the gospel. I love to get into the, the theology and the stuff. But, but those of us who speak from the front here, we actually have a duty to not make what we say small print. Because this stuff is simple. We have a big print gospel. We've talked already about sharing with our friends and our neighbours, being confident in sharing with our friends and our neighbours. We mustn't get into the position where we think, well, I can't do that because I don't know enough, because I can't understand all these, this complicated stuff, because we don't have a small print gospel we have a big letter gospel. Do you know these big letters, these big words that we rejoice in? Can you share the gospel simply with your neighbours, with your friends? Do you know the simple big letter gospel that we hold to? You know, God loved us so much. God loved us so much that he created us. He's a relational God. He created men and women. In the beginning, God created. And, and men and women, we went and did our own thing. We sinned, we decided that we will go this way and, and not go that way. And that doesn't just upset God. God's a, God's a righteous and a holy God. And so God's faced with this enormous dilemma. He loves us. He wants us to be with him in heaven. He created us for that sole purpose. He's a loving God. But he's a holy and a righteous and a just God. He has to, he has to act justly. And so sin can't just be ignored. And so on the one hand, God wants us in heaven. On the other hand, God wants to punish us. It's a dilemma. How does God solve that? That's the gospel. He sent his son into the world. He came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ, died on the cross, took our sins for us. He paid the price that we couldn't pay so that now we can have that relationship with God. Is that the big gospel that you know? Is that the big narrative that you can share? Or are you worried about the small print? What about, we talked about it last time, did I? What about creation? What about evolution? What about uh, Israel? And is that a metaphor for this or is that real for that? Don't get stuck down in the small print. Paul is saying to the Galatian church, don't get caught up in this business of circumcision, these details, these laws. It's a big gospel. I trust that you hold on to, uh, to that truth. Secondly, oh, actually, no, before we move on, uh, I, I love how Jesus kept things simple. You know, the Pharisees, they came to him one day, this is in Matthew, and said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? You know, it's interesting that, that, that there's another story in Scripture where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and asks a similar question. Says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? It, it's a really good question. Jesus takes time with him, deals with him very gently. But, but this, this passage in, in Matthew, this is the Pharisees coming to Jesus. And they're looking to trip him up. They're looking to, to find some sort of test case, some way to prosecute him, some way to charge him with something. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Okay, so the law for the Jews, for the people that we're talking of, was the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, okay? That was what they call the Torah. That was the law, okay? Anybody 
intimately familiar with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy? Can we rattle those verses off? Uh, It's a bit of a tough read, isn't it? Get halfway through Deuteronomy, it gets a little bit tough. Teacher, what's the greatest part of the law? Sum that up in one sentence. That's a no-win question, isn't it? That's a no-win scenario. What can Jesus answer to that? Sum that up in one sentence. He says... You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. That's a big print answer to a small print question. What sort of gospel do you have? A big print gospel or a small print gospel? Let's move on. Paul talks in verse 13 to 16 about boasting in the cross. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been circumcised to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything. What counts is the new creation. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? I want to boast about something because I guess, you know, most of us here, we're sort of genteel English men and women. We don't shout, we don't boast, we, at least that's the theory, isn't it? And, and we could almost put this down to being, well, maybe that's just a turn of phrase that, that Paul uses. Maybe that's just part of his theology, uh, boasting. We don't find that with other writers. Well, well, actually we do. It's right there, right throughout the, the, the Old Testament. The Psalms, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and rejoice. Psalm 44, in God we have boasted all day long. Psalm 20, some boast in chariots and horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord. It's in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is one of the most difficult books to read. It's one of the prophets that had such hardship, such difficulty. You think, oh no, Jeremiah, I'm not reading that book. You really do have to go, you know, sit in a quiet corner with Jeremiah. The guy went through so much, yet he says, I'll boast in the Lord. It's there throughout Scripture that it's actually okay to boast in the Lord. And then obviously Paul gives this New Testament slant to that because now we have Christ and we have the cross and these are the things that it's okay to boast in. But we have to be so careful that we don't boast in other stuff. Even as a church, we have to be careful that we don't boast in other stuff. I'm so aware, I am so aware that next week we are starting a really important series where we look at vision and we look at where we're going as a church. And I've no idea what Steve's going to say about that. Actually, I probably have got a bit of an idea about what he's going to say about that. But, But I don't know the details and he doesn't know that I was going to mention his series this morning. But yes, we're looking at vision next week. And as a church, it can be so easy to boast about, well, how many are in your church? How many did you baptise last week? How many small groups have you got? How many people are in your small groups? Now, this is all important stuff. This is good stuff. This is stuff we need to talk about. But it's not what we boast about. We boast about Christ. We boast about the cross We boast about what's important. We're not defined by the coffee we serve, but by the saviour we serve. We're not defined by the comfy chairs we sit in, 
but the enfolding arms of Jesus that give us eternal rest. You know, what are we choosing to define ourselves through? What are we choosing to boast about? And, you know, boasting is, is really tricky, isn't it? We, we, we have this balance. I've mentioned kind of social media and kind of Facebook already. Um, uh, we have a generation that are growing up that posting on social media, it's a kind of form of boasting, isn't it? I'm, not, I'm trying not to criticise social media here because there are enormous benefits. But we do have a generation that's almost becoming traumatised because their life depends on... <clears throat> Are their posts liked enough? You know, do they have enough contacts on Facebook? If I post something, what are the responses? When, when my friends and family post something about what they're doing, where they're going, so easy to be jealous and say, oh, I, I want that sort of lifestyle. Do you see how we're building a generation that it's natural to boast in stuff? But we're not boasting about the cross. And as a church, as Christians, generation by generation, I think we find this harder to boast about. Because more and more, it's something that's becoming separate from other outside the world's mainstream experience. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, <clears throat> we boast in the cross. We boast in the cross. We, we boast in the crucified Lord Jesus. We boast in nails and torture and suffering and shed blood. And that's a language that the world doesn't like. There's a, there's a famous hymn from the 18th century written by William Cowper. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty shame. Are we going to sing that one in a seeker-friendly service? We're encouraging people in to hear the truth. There, there's a, hey, Emmanuel's veins, a, a fountain of blood. What are you guys on? And you see, we have this language that almost becomes a barrier. And so if you're new to, if you're visiting this morning, and, and already we've been talking about cross and death and suffering, and you think, hey, what's that? You know, I came for the coffee, I came for the comfy chairs. No, you know, this is what we boast in. But we find it harder and harder because we, we somehow have to find this balance between being welcome and being opening and publicising ourselves in the right sense. People will not see this as a church. It hasn't got a steeple, it hasn't got a bell. People will walk past this day after day and not know it's a church unless we put it on Facebook. So I'm not, I'm not coming down on social media, but I'm saying at our heart, what do we boast about? Because the world is getting further and further away from images of suffering and pain and difficulty. Um, we were uh, watching a, a great film the other night, Valentina and I, Green Mile with Tom Hanks. I'm not going to give the story away if you, if you haven't seen it, but a remarkable film about... Uh, convicts facing the death penalty on death row in the 1920s in America. Um, and I think we both remarked how strange it was that it was part of the culture that people could publicly go and witness somebody being killed in the electric chair. It was, we almost asked the question, did that, did that, even, that, did that actually happen? You know, less than, less than 100 years ago? 
And, and as our society moves on and on and on, so we don't talk about death, we don't talk about suffering, we certainly don't make a public spectacle of it. So when we talk about Christ on the cross and suffering and we boast about that, do you see how we, we kind of can almost, we can almost not want to do that? Because, oh, we're not going to be able to reach out to people. They're not going to understand our language. They're not going to find our meetings welcoming. We'll talk about the coffee and the comfy chairs and the great social activities that we do. That will appeal to them. No, we boast in the cross of Christ. And then thirdly, what does Paul say? In verse 17 uh, and verse 18, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits, brothers and sisters. Amen. Paul talks about bearing the marks of Jesus. Again, it's this, this picture that is almost hard to put up. It's almost hard to articulate that says, is this what defines me? Is this my gospel? A gospel that says, hey, I bear the marks of this crucifixion. What's Paul saying here? What does he mean by that? Um, A bit as in writing with the big letters, Paul could mean a couple of things because Paul is the one person, Paul is the one person who probably could say, I bear the marks of the crucifixion. I I bear marks for my faith. Because what does he say? He says, uh, um, uh, three times I was beaten with rods. This is, uh, um, this is in 2 Corinthians. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three, ti- three times I was shipwrecked. I think we'd have to go it some to find a person in Crawley who has been shipwrecked. In 100,000 people, I think it would be challenging to put out a Facebook question. Has anybody actually ever in their life been shipwrecked? Paul says, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift in sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, this is tough even reading this, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Paul suffered for the gospel. He could probably, if he was standing up here, you could say, look at this mark. That was from the stones in Philippi. Look at this bruise. That was from that mob in Ephesus. Look at the marks that I bear for the gospel. Now, Paul could do that. We can't do that. You know, we live in a, in a society, thankfully, where, where not yet people don't chuck stones at us for our faith. But we do suffer in other ways, and that suffering may well come in the future, where we will physically bear the marks. But that actually isn't what Paul is talking about. He's talking about, I'm hidden with Christ. He says, through this big picture, through this simple gospel... I am wrapped up in Christ. He is wrapped up in me. The crucifixion that he suffered was the crucifixion that I should have suffered. He took that price. He took that punishment for me. And the ultimate contrast in Galatians, as we start to wrap this up, not just this morning, but the whole of this book. It is ultimately 
a book of contrasts. It is Paul saying, what do you want? What do you want? What is the gospel that is going to define you? And actually, although I've put that picture up there, there's actually something wrong with that slide. Because when we talk about bearing the marks of the cross, when we talk about bearing the marks of Jesus, it's actually, dare I say, it's something well, no, deeper than the cross is not quite the word that I'm looking for, but there's something more than the cross. Uh, Gordon D. Fee, he's a great Bible writer, he's written an enormous book, um, Empowered, God's Empowering Spirit, about Paul's understanding of the Holy Spirit in all of his letters. And I was, again, just looking at how he summed up Galatians, and he said something I think was very pertinent. Uh, and I say this not just in summing up what I'm saying, but for Galatians as a whole. He says this, he says, the ultimate contrast in Galatians is not between works and faith. We've been doing Galatians for for many, many weeks. We've all been standing up here and saying, hey, it's, it's works, it's faith, it's grace, it's law. Really interesting. Gordon Fee says it's it's the ultimate contrast in Galatians is not between works and faith, but between life under the Torah, that's the law and life under the Spirit. We haven't talked much about the Spirit, have we? But that's the contrast. Life under the law and life under the Spirit. Life under the Torah means to come under the very curse from which Christ has set us free. Only the Spirit who appropriates the righteousness secured through Christ's death and resurrection can bring life and effect righteousness of the real kind. So having begun in the Spirit, that's what Paul urges the Galatians to do, to carry on in the Spirit. And so the mark that we bear is, yes, it's the mark of the crucifixion, it's the cross. We're hidden in Christ, that's what Paul's saying. Those nails that were in Christ's hands were the the punishment that I should have suffered. But the mark that we bear, the mark that we should look for in one another, is the mark and the sign of the Holy Spirit. Is that something that we see in our church? Is that something that we're known for? A church that promotes and stands for and believes in the Holy Spirit. That's an inward mark. It's not an outward mark. You know, you walk through Crawley. You know, you look at people. You're not going to know if people out there are, are Christians. You know, we don't have halos around our heads. We're not covered in some glowing shimmer. There's no outward mark that says this person is a Christian. But there is an inner mark. And that's what we need to look for. And so if we can have the last slide, and as we sum up, really, all of Galatians, what is your gospel? What is your gospel? Is it a small print gospel where you have to cross the I's and dot the T's and know the small print and understand paragraph 5, clause F, subclause B? Or is it a big print gospel? Christ on the cross, paying the price for our sin. Are we going to shout about ourselves? Are we going to shout about what we do? Yeah, we've got to find the right balance between publicising ourselves and boasting about ourselves. But let's boast in the cross. Let's, Let's be known as individuals, as a church, as people who boast in the cross. Let us not be ashamed of the cross. As Paul says... 
It's, uh, I always get it the wrong way around, a foolishness to Gentiles, uh, a, stumbling, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles. That's the cross that we preach. It's, people are going to come in the back door for the first time and think, hey, this is foolish, this is strange, I don't get this. But that's the gospel that we preach. And the Holy Spirit will open blind eyes. And are we defined by outward marks? Nothing wrong with Nike trainers. But, but are we defined by outward marks? Outward branding? Or inner truth? The power of the Holy Spirit in us. And through all of these six chapters of Galatians, that is the question. That is the question that Paul has been asking. Chapter by chapter by chapter what sort of people are you? I won't do a pop quiz at the end here. Ask you to put your hands up. I think the answers are pretty explanatory as to which ones we want to jump for. If anybody wants to put their hand up for the Nike trainers, that's the wrong answer. But, but we, we won't do the pop quiz. But what gospel do you want to be defined by? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for Galatians, the whole of Galatians, this gospel of grace, this simple truth that we can come to you with nothing in our hands but trusting in you alone for our forgiveness, for our salvation. Lord, forgive us, forgive us when we put things in the way of that, when we make a big deal of little things, when we focus on the stuff we shouldn't focus on, when we, we worry about external stuff, rather than internal truths. Lord, forgive us for that. We've done that in the past. We're, we're almost certainly do that again in the future. But Lord, just keep drawing us back, drawing us back to your gospel, your truths, your word. Lord, just give us a boldness. Give us a confidence. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can declare these truths to the world that needs it so badly. Oh, thank you, Father. Father, just go with us now. Bless us. Speak to us through this week. Lord, give us opportunities to share your gospel. Give us opportunities to speak about who you are, what you mean to us. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amen.